What's up, Vertical? It's good to see you. Welcome back to Fountain Mall in the heart of campus. It is so fun being in the middle of the campus, lifting up the name of Jesus. It's just really surreal because we've been all over the place. We've uh, been in Waco Hall, we've been in McLean, we've been at Fountain Mall, and uh, you guys have continued to ground, which is great, even though we've tried to throw you curveballs. So thank you for being here. Right? Vertical exists to ignite a passion in college students for Jesus Christ, his church, and his mission around the world. That's why we do what we do. It's why we exist. It's why we have Monday nights. It's for the name of Jesus Christ. And tonight we're talking about a topic that I think is important because I think it's going to allow us to pursue Christ for the rest of our days. And that topic is rest. You see, I don't think a lot of us know how to do it well or if, how to, if many of us know how to do it at all. And that's the difference between pursuing Jesus for the rest of our life or pursuing Jesus for a moment or a season. What sustains us and keeps us there is our rest and our rest in him. So I have a, a picture for you guys uh, that is up on the screen. I, I think many of you guys probably know what this is. This is a check engine light. If you don't know, now you know. If that thing ever comes up in your car on your dashboard, there's a serious problem. Well, uh, last summer, my check engine light went on and I ignored it for three months. Now, uh, if you don't know, your check engine light's pretty important. It kind of means that there's something wrong with your car, like maybe the engine, hence the check engine light. Uh, and if it goes unchecked or, unchecked or unattended, your engine might explode. So no big deal, right? Like, okay, so I was just driving for three months with this thing on. And then uh, not only that, it gets a little bit worse. Uh, you know how you have to get your oil changed every 3,000 to 5,000 miles? Well, mine was 1,000 miles overdue. So... If you don't know anything about cars, cars, your oil is also important because that also prevents your engine from imploding. So I was really just living on the edge here. And then not even that, like my car is not in the best shape. It's a 2006 Chevy Malibu. I'm surprised it even starts, you know. Uh, But it actually has a ton of dents in it. I hit a wall once. I don't know how I did that. Uh, But then I also smashed one of the lights and I've gotten pulled over three times in that summer uh, by cops telling me to fix that thing. And I still haven't. So uh, hopefully there's no cops here (laughs) tonight. Uh, But anyway, like the reason I tell you that story, the reason I start there is because I treat my body the way that I treat my car. And if I could go on a limb, I think many of us treat our bodies like we treat our cars. We tend to fill up our car only once. And that's usually when it's on empty. And if we live that way with our bodies and with our souls, if we just reach a point when we're exhausted and worn out and drained and empty, and that's the only time we go to Jesus, I think we're missing out on the life that Christ is offering us. I think we're missing out on the rest that Jesus is inviting us into if we view rest that way. You see, if we treat our bodies like a car, we ignore the warning signs that our souls are not okay. We drive ourselves to the brink until we're absolutely unempty and we struggle to make room for rest. So that's why we're talking about rest tonight. 
is because it impacts not only our sleep, but it impacts our souls. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4 tonight. If you have a copy of scripture, you can open there. We're going to read it in a little bit. But before we get into rest and our points on rest, the author of Hebrews is actually going to give us a warning. He's going to tell us a warning about rest and what happens when we don't do it. So if you look at Hebrews 4, verses 6 through 12 with me, it says this, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. Again, he points, appoints a certain day, today saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So what's going on there? the author of Hebrews is telling us that there is a Sabbath rest available to believers. And he's saying that the people in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they missed out on this rest. Why? Because of disobedience. He mentions a character that you may have heard of. His name is Moses. He's the one who delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses isn't allowed to enter in the promised land because he disobeys. God tells him and instructs him to speak to a rock that would give the people water, and he strikes it. And you're like, that seems like a little harsh, right? That just was like a little disobedience. Why would he not be enter, able to enter into the promised land and not be able to enter into rest? And what I want to tell you tonight is that little disobedience over time leads to long-term death. That little disobedience over a long period of time leads to death. And it might just be a little disobedience here. You might not have a quiet time this day or the next day. You might neglect the body of believers, the church. You might not do things that fill your soul up. And over time, you're going to experience pain and suffering and hurt because you've chosen disobedience over obedience. And you've chosen to not trust in the Lord in the ways that he's outlined for us in scripture. Right, and uh, it's actually funny because like our American culture has actually trained us to disobey rest. Right, it's all about capitalism, making more money, doing more things, being as busy as you possibly can, being as efficient and productive as you possibly can. And this is the one ten commandment that is socially acceptable to break. Right, 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 like think about this. If I came to community group tonight and I confessed to murdering someone, <laughs> the guys in my community group would be like, dude, that's insane. Like, I don't know what to do, but you just killed someone? Are you kidding me? Or like, what if I confess to adultery? And they were just like, oh yeah. No, they would be like, that's insane. What are you doing? You are in disobedience. And yet if I confess to my community group that I've broken Sabbath and I've neglected to rest, I just don't think that their response is going to be the same way. But I want to make the argument tonight that it should be. Because rest and Sabbath is ingrained in creation. God rested. And he's created in us a desire and a need to rest. It's not something we can neglect or disobey. Because it has long-term 
consequences attached to it. And here's the deal, right? Like, like I said at the beginning, I think a lot of us don't know how to rest. I think a lot of us just struggle in general with rest. And before we get into our points, I just want to talk about rest briefly. I just want to look at the Hebrew word for rest. You've, you've heard me say Sabbath. Well, the Hebrew word for that is Shabbat. And what that means literally is to stop, to cease, to actually do nothing. And that takes obedience from us, right? That takes faith to like clock out at 5, 5 p.m. and just trust that the Lord is going to continue to work, that we were efficient, we did everything we could in our best power, and we're trusting that God is going to continue to do the rest or use the work that we did. But then also, it, just go back to creation. Right? Look at Genesis with me real quick. God rested. Now, now think about this. So God rested in Genesis, but he has never for another moment in the history of eternity rested. He's never ceased. He's never stopped, not for a single minute or a second. He doesn't need to. He's God. So why did he rest in Genesis? God rested not because he needed to, because, not because he needed to, but because he knew we would. God rested not because he needed it, but because he knew we would need to. So he models it for us. And he demonstrates what it looks like to Sabbath, to stop, to rest. And I don't know about you, but that's really hard for me to grasp. That's really hard for me to understand because it takes more faith for me to do nothing and to be still than it does to go and lead at vertical or go to community group or lead a Bible study or show up to church. It just feels more natural for me to go and do things or be active. I feel more fruitful. I feel like I'm actually doing something. It's, it's a lot harder for me to Psalm 4610 to be still and know that I am God. It's a lot harder for me to sit at my desk with my Bible and a journal and a pen. It's just hard, and it takes more faith for me to be still than it does for me to be active. So right now, we're going to look at four points. Four points on rest. And the prayer for tonight is that this would just be really practical for us. That all of us would be able to leave with some action steps on how to implement rest into our schedules and how to trust Jesus with rest. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 6 through 11 again. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Point number one is to resist the urge to say yes. Resist the urge to say yes. Um, my first year out of college, I was working on staff at a church and there was a 72 hour period where I didn't go home. Like I just didn't show up. Like I packed a bag in my car and I was like, I'm sleeping on your couch and I'm sleeping on your couch. And I filled my schedule with good things. I had breakfast with guys in the morning 
I worked the whole day. I'd grab dinner with a buddy and then I'd go to this ministry event and I'd sleep on a guy's couch and I'd do that all over again. And you, mean, you might be like, what's wrong with that? But after those 72 hours, I just felt weird. I was like, man, if I had a wife and kids right now and I didn't show up to home at all and didn't tell anyone where I was for 72 hours, I think that'd be a problem. And what I started to realize was that I was training myself to be a workaholic. I was training myself to not value the home. I was training myself to not invest in the people who live under my roof. And I want to care about my roommates. And I want to care about my future family and my kids. And that doesn't just happen. It starts right now. This is the foundation. This is the training ground. Now, if you're single, if you're not married, you're single. And that means you can steward your time however you want. And this is a great time to do as much as you possibly can. So that's a great thing. But I started to realize that the way that I was stewarding and spending my time was developing unhealthy habits in me. And I needed to learn how to resist the urge to say yes, because I said yes to good things. They were all good things. Coffee with this guy, dinner with that guy, this ministry event, that worship night. They were all good things. And yet I was struggling with overcommitting and stretching myself too thin. And I started to realize that it was negatively impacting me. So we need to know our boundaries. We need to set parameters. We need to know our limits. And we need to know what to commit to and what not to commit to. I get married on Friday, which is awesome. Praise God. Let's go. I know. And me and my fiance, we have a rule. It's called the four and three rule. That means we're going to spend four nights out a week and three nights in. So our four nights out are vertical, community group, date night, and something else that pops up. In those other three nights, we've committed to being at home and investing in one, each other, one another and resting. And there are going to be things that happen on those three nights, like good things to go to, like birthday parties or other events. And we've committed to saying no. Because we value rest. And we need to implement that into our lives. And honestly, this is why I love Jesus. <laughs> like if you read the Gospels, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in your New Testament, you see Jesus live at his own pace. Right? The disciples will come to him. Uh, there'll be like hundreds and thousands of people who want to talk to Jesus, who want to hear him teach, who want to be healed by him. Did anyone see that bug on my ear? So gross. <laughs> anyway, there's like hundreds and thousands of people coming to Jesus. There's a ton of good things to do. There's a lot of ministry to be done. And Jesus looks at that and he says, no, we're done at this city. We're going on to the next one. And the disciples are shocked. They don't understand why. And Jesus' decisions, decisions don't make sense for the sake of efficiency and productivity. But he knew his plan. He knew what he committed to. He knew what the, the father had before him. So he was able to say no. So point number one, we have to resist the urge to say yes. And point number two is we have to escape from busyness. 
We have to escape from busyness. Luke 4.16 just says, as was his custom, as was Jesus's custom. And then it continues and says he'd get up early before it was even light out and he would spend time with the Father in prayer. And that is just a rhythm that Jesus had. That he would make frequent trips to this Greek word, the eremos, which just means the wilderness, the deserted place. And he would go and be alone with the Father. That was a habit of Jesus. Someone just got destroyed by those sprinklers. (laughs) And Jesus would go to the Eremos. Oh. And he would go and be alone with the Father. And that was the most important thing to him. That's what he prioritized. And what's really cool, guys, is that Jesus, what he's doing here is actually flipping our culture upside down. I'll explain it to you. So what we do, right, is we wake up, we look at our calendar. We're like, hey, I have this meeting at this time. I have this class. I have this thing at night. So I'm pretty busy. So like the more busy I get, the less time I spend with the Lord. But what Jesus is actually doing, he's actually saying, hey, I've got this meeting and that meeting and I'm going to do this ministry. So I need to spend more time with the Lord. I need to spend more time with my father. But usually when we're busy, the first thing to go is our quiet time. And what we do is we determine our lives based off of our calendar and our schedule. And Jesus determines his life based off of his soul. And he says, how is my soul today? Am I dry? Am I weary? Am I exhausted? Well, then if that's the case, I'm going to spend time with my father. Because Jesus understood that if he didn't spend time with his father he wouldn't do a productive thing throughout the rest of the day. And that's the same with us. Apart from God, we can do nothing. If we're not abiding daily, if we're not spending time with him, then we can do no productive thing for him throughout the day. And I I just want to tell you uh, some of the ways that I try and do this in my life. Some of the ways that I try and escape from busyness. Because there's always something to do. There's always something going on. So I have to be really strategic in how I do this. And I'm not perfect at it, but I try and do this and it's helped me. So it's just five things. I try and devote daily. That means I try and abide with Jesus. Every single day I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to read my Bible. I try and devote daily. The second one is I try and withdraw weekly. That means once a week I'm going to get away and do something that fills my cup, something that I enjoy, something that I love. For me, that's going to a coffee shop getting extended quiet time with the Lord, bringing a book, journaling, doing things like that. The third one is migrate monthly. For me, what that looks like is grabbing time with a mentor once a month and just sitting with him for a couple hours and asking him questions and letting him pour into me and praying together. The next one is I get away quarterly. So every three months, I'll take a day or a weekend or an extended weekend and I'll get away. I'll get in an Airbnb I'll go to a friend's house and I'll just escape from my normal routine, spend extra time with the Lord, reflect on the past couple of months and pray for the next few that are coming up. So I get away quarterly and the last one is I abandon annually. It's called vacation. I try and take a week-long vacation every single year 
to rest and reset and recharge. And those are just some of the things that I try and do to escape from the busyness of life. So point number one is to resist the urge to say yes. Point number two is escape from busyness. And point number three is to shut off the noise. To shut off the noise. Uh, my first year at a college, I was on staff at church. And I had my one night off that week. So I uh, come to my apartment. I get home. And I said, I'm going to rest tonight. It's going to be awesome. I sat on the couch and I turned on Thursday night football. And after like two minutes of watching Thursday night football, I grabbed my computer, put my computer on my lap, and I pull up YouTube. And then after a couple minutes of that, I got bored and I grabbed my phone and I start scrolling through Instagram. So I'm looking at Instagram, I'm watching YouTube, and I'm watching a football game all at the same time. And I did that for three hours. And what I realized was that I was more tired than when I started, that I was more exhausted. And it's because we were never made to be known through a phone. Like those things aren't restful. They're just numbing. It's just let me escape and not do anything and not have to think. And it's not rest. And one of the biggest fights, the one, of, one of the biggest distractions to you resting in Jesus is the thing that's in your pocket. How many times do you pick it up a day? How many times do you have notifications sent to your phone? How many of you feel the urge every time you get a notification to respond to it right away? We have to fight against our phones. Like there's this wonderful feature called screen time. Uh, my fiance, Katie, she has my code. I don't know it. I get 15 minutes of TikTok a day and once I'm tapped out, I'm out. Because truly, like if I had unlimited, I'd watch like three hours. It's amazing. But she has my code because I'm like, I, I would just use this thing all the time. And I wouldn't actually rest. And I try and turn my phone off for an hour every single day. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, what if someone calls you? What if someone texts you? What happens? What's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know. They'll find me. Or they'll find someone who knows where I'm at. And usually when that hour's over, I have no texts. Like, I'm just not that popular. Like, I don't know. Like, people don't want to talk to me. Like, I've always been like, my phone shuts off at 8.30 every night. Like, screen time, boo, boo, boo. And doesn't open back up until 8.30 the next morning. And I've always been like, what if there's an emergency? Like, what if my mom is in the hospital and I don't know about it? My mom's never been to the hospital in the three years that I've done this. Like, I, like, I just don't know why. Like, I just think that, like, this is going to happen. So it prevents me from actually doing and committing to this thing. Like, I've just never been busy at past 830. Maybe you have because, like, you're in college and I'm, like, old. But we just need to discipline ourselves to shut off the noise. Because if we have unlimited access to our phones, we are going to be busy all the time. And our souls are going to be restless because there will always be something that is trying to grab our attention that isn't Jesus. There will always be something that's trying to distract us. So we got to learn how to shut off the noise. And finally, we have to trust in truth. We have to trust in truth. That means we need to love, study, and do God's word. We have to run to it because it is our authority conscience guide 
for everything, for success in this life. And when I say success, I don't mean prosperity. I don't mean uh, money. I don't mean climbing the social ladder or the corporate ladder. I just mean success in finding life and peace and joy and satisfaction. Your Bible has the answers to all that. It's the source of it. Look at Hebrews 4 with me again, verses 11 and 12. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He said, let's strive to enter this rest. Do everything you can. Fight like your life depends upon it. And then what does he say? What's your resource? What's your cheat code? What's the solution? The word of God. That he's given us everything we need to successfully fight for rest in this life. And it's found in his word. And like, we all know this, right? Like we all know the answers, God's word. Because like, you've all been there with me, right? Like you spend one morning not in God's word and you go throughout the day and you're less patient. You're like less kind. You're more irritable. You have less joy. Like we all know that. And then the more we do that, the worse it gets and we're like really irritable and now we're cussing out people and we got road rage and all those things. You know, it's like, gosh, I need to get back to God's word. I need to run to the source. So we need to trust in truth and not just trust in truth as the source for life itself, but we need to trust in its very words and we need to obey it and to do it. So when God's word tells me that there is more life found in living in the light. Right, Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13 just says, whoever confesses. No, it doesn't. <laughs> whoever laughed, that got me. Thank you, I appreciate that. Proverbs 28, 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will obtain mercy. Do I trust in that verse? Do I trust in God's word? Do I trust in truth? That there is no life found in living in hidden sin or concealing my sin. But am I going to trust him? Am I going to trust the people around me? That confession is where healing begins. Am I going to trust him that in a relationship with Jesus, that's where I can find freedom? Like all of these things, are we going to trust in truth? I find that when we trust in truth, when we trust God at his word, there's more peace more satisfaction, more joy than trying to live in my own wisdom and making my own decisions for the way that I'm going to live. So we got to trust the truth. So rest, to recap, is resisting the urge to say yes. It's escaping from busyness. It's shutting off the noise. And it's trusting in truth. R E. S T. Rest. Now here's the thing. This is the beginning of rest. 
This is how we begin to rest. Like these things are helpful, they're practical, they help. But at the end of the day, rest isn't found in a more manageable schedule. It's not found in 12 hours compared to 18 hours. It's not found in being more organized. It's not found in doing all of these things perfectly. That's not where rest is found. Rest is found in a person. Rest is found in Jesus. Look at me, look at with me Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 real quick. Just a little further down, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, rest is found in the person of Jesus. To give you th- quick, three quick points, rest is a response. Will you respond to Jesus' invitation to rest in him? Will you cease your striving? Rest is a rhythm. Will you prioritize rest in your life? Will you fight for rhythms in your schedule to carve out rest for your soul? And rest is a relationship. Will you trust Jesus and his word? Will you guard and protect your quiet time with him? You see, there's only one way to rest. Not just here on earth, but eternally. Like we can have an eternal rest in Jesus Christ. That it's not because of our striving or our works or our deeds, but we can rest in the good work of Jesus Christ that he accomplished on the cross for us. And we can rest satisfied in him. There's so many wells in this world. There's so many distractions to run to, to try and be filled up by. And every single well will leave you wanting more, will leave you empty, will leave you distraught. There's only one well that'll satisfy. There's only one well that will give you rest and it's Jesus. And it's a well that never runs dry. It's a well that is always open and you have access to whenever you want, whenever you need. It's unlimited. So Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting us tonight to rest in him. In the same way that he freed the Israelites from the land of slavery in Egypt, he is inviting you to be free from the chains of busyness, worn outness, exhaustion, and of sin. Augustine, who's an old theologian, he just wrote, my soul is restless until it finds rest in you. Baylor, your soul will be restless 
until you find rest in the person of rest, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our high priest who goes before us, who advocates for us, who intercedes for us, and who's accessible. Thank you for not being a God who is far off or distant or disinterested in your people. Thank you for providing a way to rest and to find our soul's satisfaction in you. Father, would you help us learn how to rest, how to slow down, how to Sabbath, how to cease, how to stop, and how to trust you, not just with our eternities, but with our daily rhythms and habits. Father, would we just give you our days? And if there's anything hindering us, or if there's a well, Father, that we run to faster than we run to you, Father, would you reveal it? Would you convict us? Would we forsake all other idols for the living and true God? Father, we love you and we're grateful for you. Amen.